Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, everybody. It is Drags, and this week on Red Sox Beat, I welcome back old friend, yes, not too old, but still old friend, Rob Bradford, covering the Red Sox in baseball for WEEI.com and Odyssey.com. Did I get that right, Rob? Yeah. I, I prefer to call it Audacity, but yes, no, no, it's Odyssey, Odyssey. Odyssey.com, A-U-D-A-C-Y.com, correct? Get it? Get it? Because audio, A-U-D. Uh, I, I do get it. The whole thing. The whole thing. I get it, Rob. Thanks. Right. Uh, you can, fo- more importantly, you can follow Rob on Twitter at Bradfo, as 85,000 other people do. You should be doing it as well. If you care whatsoever about the Red Sox, Major League Baseball, or anything having to do with New England, you should, uh, Rob is, you know, an outstanding follow. And in this day and age, Rob, of course, we should promote your podcast. Nah, at- don't do that. Don't do that. I won't. No, I guys, you know what, Trags? I'm going to break the news right here. Whoa. Right on the on the Trags podcast. Yes. The, that the Bradfoe show has been dissolved into the live BP podcast. Okay. I was going to also promote that podcast I, and no, that I show. That. As- I appreciate that. But I didn't want to. I know that people have collector's items to the Bradfoe show, but we do the live BP show during yes. the year. And I just felt like, you know, we just should just keep doing it through the off season. So uh, we'll keep doing that, but I appreciate it as always. You're- wow. Breaking news right yeah, breaking. off the bat. Yeah. I mean, look at this. So it's, you know, I have all these t-shirts, yes, right? Yes, you do. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, I mean, now let's go. Whoa. These are going to be like collector's Barry- items. These, are, these, yeah, these are going to be like Barry the Bears t-shirts from 1986. So oh, yeah. I remember those. <laughs> yeah. I do. Um, so you can, Follow uh, Rob at Live BP Show as well. All one word. That is correct, right? Yes, that is correct. Live BP Show. Um, it's a uh, not only uh, podcast, uh, but it is also a baseball show on WEEI every weekend. Correct? Terrestrial radio. But uh, yeah, for the most part, you know, the off season, you know how it works. It's a miss, especially, you know, the prioritizing Mac Jones around here. Um but, but no, I've always said this, Trags, and you've heard me say it. One of the most popular sports in Boston is, is Red Sox offseason. It I is. Will, I will stand firm in that take. Well, that's a great leaping off point because uh, is Edward Eduardo Rodriguez worth $77 million over five years? I'd say every other day, every other start he is. 
<laughs> so let's get, let's get out the uh, Trags abacus and figure out exactly what that means in terms of dollars and cents. I know he, you tweeted out he was one oh the Red Sox were one oh two and sixty one oh eight and sixty two. Yeah, in his starts is that right? Yeah, yeah. his uh, that's oh, well in his appearances. Yeah, appearances. so that's you know and and people in the right when they say that wins and losses for pictures are overrated they are but i like wins and losses for teams when a pitcher like actually appears correct because it means that the starting picture is giving you a chance to win the game yes yes and so there was something to that stat for rodriguez now when you talk about that contract i think it's a good contract for him and the reason why isn't because of the amount of money he made per year because it's not even what he would make as a qualifying offer. I think I know what you're going to say. Opt yeah. out after two the years. Opt-out. It's the yes. opt out, right? I mean, yep. after what, two years. So you, you have the security, which is like every pitcher wants, you have the security of five years, which is, Oh my goodness. If every, anyone told me that halfway through this year that Eduardo Rodrigo is going to get five years, I would be say you're crazy. You got five years, and if he's really, really good, he's going to be 30 years old going back into free agency and making a ton of money. It's a good contract for him. And he gets gets the new contract before the end of the current collective bargaining agreement, which we'll get to in a second and how it's going to impact. And if he does well, he'll have the, the stability of that, presumably, of the new CBA to work under those conditions. So it's a win-win for him. Yeah, I mean, you're right. And you were seeing this. We always hear, well, the, the, the market's going to move quicker than normal. And it never does. It's been going the other way. And this case is obviously a, a different situation because of the, the, the potential lockout and CBA and everything else like this. But finally, you know, let's, let's embrace it while we have it before we get into the muck and the mire <sighs> of, of the CBA stuff. Like, oh, yeah, you know what? You have signings. I mean, you have that signing. You have the Jose Barrios signing. You have, uh, which was, uh, oh my God, seven years. With Toronto, right? Yeah, yeah. the extension. I mean, it's essentially. Yeah, it's... yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I mean, you have you have that. It's So you have stuff. And we haven't even had that. I mean, Noah Syndergaard, by the way. Noah Syndergaard, right? So, the, Trags, you know, you and I went through a lot of Red Sox off seasons. And, you know, it was business is done by Christmas. Like, business yes. is done by Christmas. That That is it. You know that you have the, the week after Christmas off. And you know that if anything happens in January, it's going to be like minor league signings. Now, before this, I mean, it was painful. It was, to me, it was, they really had, should, and they won't, they really should put some deadlines on this thing. Like, I mean, if you want to grow the sport and you want to get people excited, like they get excited for the NFL and the NBA. And, right. Like, let's do it. I mean, let's put some. some I think that's a great idea, Rob. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's gone the other way. It's crazy that. You go back last year, the significant signings that happened in late January and February, and let's be honest, tracks. by then, you're just kind of exhausted by the offseason. Like, now you have, in November, you still sort of have the momentum of a baseball season, but not in February and in January. No, and it always used to be you get the, you, you 
got January to kind of recoup, really yeah. relax, kind of like in football where you get July to relax, essentially June and July, right after mini camp. Yeah. Isn't you that could, crazy? Like, could, could you imagine in football, if you're like, oh yeah, we're going to have all our big signings, like a couple of weeks before the season starts. That would be suicide for a lot of the, there's no way that half of the teams could compete, which yeah. is kind of the case in major league baseball. Uh, but anyway, um, okay. That's the deal with Erod. He moves on. I don't think it's a big deal for the Red Sox because I think they are presuming that Chris Sale comes back and continues his momentum from the end of the regular season. They have Chris Sale. They have Nate Navaldi, who may or may not get extended, as you tweeted uh, out. I think. Well, they are going to they are going to talk to him until February. Or, right. I mean, or I mean, I should say both. I, I think it's my understanding probably there's an agreement not to talk till February, and you know we've. Uh, in, in case people don't know, Nathan Valdi will be going in his contract year, the last year of a four-year, $68 million deal. Um, but it is an interesting one because, tracks we've gone through all these different situations with all these different pitchers going into the contract years. John mm -hmm. Lester, obviously jumping to the forefront in that mess that yes. happened there um, and offering four and $70 million, you know, and in, in playing that game. Essentially, Chris Sale was the, the answer to that, right? I mean, meaning... Oh. When, when they extended him, that was ensuring that they didn't have that happen again. Frags, like, it's, to me, it's fascinating. Uh, like, this ownership group. <laughs> so, you, you know, you really have, not to, like, be long-winded about this, but. We have all the time in the world, all right, Rob. So, you have to go back to the Lester stuff. I mean, so, living through that, it was, you were offered four years, $70 million, which was a joke. Right. And they knew it was a joke, but that's sort of how they Lucchino did business then, which is we're going to start really low. And he did it with other players, Ellsbury and other guys. We're going to see if you take it. And then we're going to go from there. They actually tried it with Jason Bay and he took it. And then they said, by the way, you have some bad knees. We're ripping it up. That's a whole nother story. But so with Lester, it was four years, 70 million. So you get into the year. Some, some of the teammates were so pissed off about it. They leak it out, right? And so now everyone knows it was they gave this joke of an offer. So Lester's side doesn't want to counter. And this is during the season. This is in his contract year. Doesn't want to counter because they know they have to counter it like some, some place where they're afraid the Red Sox will leak it out and they'll look greedy. So it, it got off everything on the wrong foot. They never were able to recover. They ended up trading Lester. So flash forward to the Chris Sale thing where everyone knew they blew this. So finally, the year that Chris Sales going to his contract year, John Henry sits on the bench in Fort Myers and said flat out, yeah, we screwed up the John Lester deal yes, and we're not going to screw up this one. Right. Okay, so, so, so keep this in mind. It's important. So he said that in late February. So you know right then and there they're going to sign Chris Sale. Like you know that they're, like, they're, like they're right. basically saying this but here's the thing people forget chris sale was running like he was injured the previous year i mean he was injured it was in uh 2000 2018 18 right right i mean he came back and got the final but he was injured a good portion of the time and you went to that offseason really not knowing that's when he went on the uh disabled list uh when it was called the disabled list um right. twice i believe in august and september something like that yeah, he, went on he the... came back yes 
And, you know, once again, it's, but still you went into that off season, not fully knowing that he was, was health. And then he comes back to spring training and they're easing him back. And okay. So and anyway, they end up signing him to that deal at the very end of, or right in spring training, but toward the end of spring training. And they say, you know, oh, like, like you said, we, we weren't going to miss out on this. But here's the problem with that deal was that A, you didn't know he was healthy. And B, Chris Sale told me, I remember specifically what he told me it, in London at a makeshift locker that was made of cardboard in some soccer stadium. He's like, in, in, in late June, I was coming back. Like, I was coming back. There was no way I was going to free agency. So here's the thing. They messed up twice. They messed up when it came to overreacting to the John Lester thing and signing him without knowing his health. And then they messed up because they didn't read the room. You have to be able to read the room if a guy is, like, saying, I'm not going to I'm not going to go to free agency because I like it too much here. But it, all of it factors into, like, the approach now. Now you get to Nathan Avaldi. And I think that it's somewhere in between. They aren't going to do the whole, like, he was a hero in the postseason. Like, those days are done, right? The Mike Lowell, you know, holding re-signed Lowell and the, you know, the Evaldi after 2018. Those either, they value him or they don't. And, you know, it'll be interesting because he's going to be in his early 30s. He obviously has a great, had a great year. Undoubtedly a leader in that clubhouse. A guy who, by the way, you know can pitch well in the postseason. So here's the question I have for you, Travis. Let's spin this forward a little bit. All right. He signed, Avaldi signed a four-year, $68 million deal. If they came back and they said, we'll take the same deal, the same exact deal, would you do it? If I'm the Red Sox? Yes. Uh, I would not. Oh. I don't think I would. I think there's enough. Look. I think Nate Avaldi is at his best, very best, and and worth his most value in the postseason. But I think you still need someone. Uh, I think you need a starter, a young starter or two, to get you to that postseason. And I think I, I would not give him that much money. I think that at this stage of his career would be too much. Okay. I mean, that's fair. You're always, obviously, I mean, like you said, I think it'll be 32 or something like that. I mean, he's so four years. is a Would lot. you? No, probably. Uh, it's tough. You know, it's, I would honestly, uh, this is going to be a cop out. I would, I would see if I could get a little bit into the season and some players don't want to talk during the season. Like, you know, that happens. But, I would rather them invest that money in free agents under the age of 30 and also uh, invest heavily, do what Tampa Bay did. And I know, you know, where I'm going with this, invest in the bullpen, get get stronger arms in the bullpen because that's why they didn't advance this year. Yeah. So, and you know, we had one of our producers write about this today, Brian Barrett. Yeah. It was pretty good about, and he's right that you're right tracks. I don't disagree with anything you're saying. The why everyone's focused so much on Erod and Verland or Wally and these guys. Heim Bloom's biggest thing right now is building that bullpen. It needs I to mean, be. It, it needs to be for a couple of reasons. Number one, you don't have you don't have the guys out there right now. 
Number two, you know, what do you want to do with Whitlock? I mean, I can make cases both ways on it. I will make a definitive case in one way. And and you know where that would be? Open. Yes. Set up guy closer. Which, you know, it's, it's an interesting one, right? Because about, you know, like 10 years ago, it would be a no, it was the Daniel Bard thing, right? It's like, yeah. well, he presents much more value in the starting rotation. I than hate that, that argument. But you know what? Like, maybe it was a debate then. Now it's like, you know, the way that things are lined up because your starters only are going to be allowed to go two times through the order, you desperately need a guy like him in the bullpen. Right. And so you're pitching them. Let's say you're pitching them three times a week instead of one time a week. So you make a good case. But Tanner Houck is going to be your number four starter. Who? Tanner Houck. Right. But again. Right. Like, I mean, it's going to be. Order. You, you got to get some relievers. It's going to be so, sale. Right now it's sale of Aldi, uh, Pavetta, and right. Tanner Houck. That's, and then see what happens with the fifth. Yeah. And, 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 but I think, again, you can't discount. To your point about the bullpen, you can't discount that these guys, it's just not how it used to be. I mean, I, the amount of times, I forget how many times they, they had their starters pitch seven innings. I think it was like 12 times or something. Like it, was, mm-hmm. it was ridiculous. I mean, and, and it, it's just how it is. And I think that Cora has embraced this certainly more than he had three years ago. Um, but you need the arms to do it. You talk about Tampa Bay, like, yeah, okay, that's how they do it. Now, I think that you've got to be careful, really careful about not falling in the trap of like saying we're going to be like Tampa Bay, because I think Tampa Bay, what happened is as much as we applaud them, no glass now, glass now, right? No, no, yeah, no, no, no Morton. But you know what happened, Trags? You run out that many arms that much out of the bullpen. What happened in the postseason and really what happened in September? I think I know what you're going to say. The, the arms get exposed to the and, and the hitters make adjustment. Oh, Nick, they'll also wear down. I mean, like Nick they Andrew. will wear down. But to me, Rob, the bigger problem with that whole strategy is, and and I know Tom Verducci made this point to ca- kind of counter Ken Rosenthal on a broadcast, and I loved it. It's great to start pulling these pictures after in the fifth inning, and you know, make the argument that they're. They're approaching their third time through the order. But what happens is these relievers, especially in the postseason, get more and more exposed. The hitters make the adjustments, and it plays to the hitters' advantage. The whole idea of having a bullpen late in games is to have these arms at maximum effort and the batters uh, seeing them for the first time through. Right, right. And and to your point, to support that argument, is that how many pitchers do, do relievers usually have? Two, right? They have two pitches, usually. Yes, some three, right. But if you're running out a guy and say, hey, you know what? Here are the two pitches that you're going to have to guess on, then all right. But it, I, I do think that, you know, like I go back a couple years ago, you know, when they were running, and that was only a couple months season, but oh my goodness, they were running out Nick Anderson. Like by the time he came in for Blake Snell, his arm was hanging off. And, and he had pitched a lot the year before. And and this year, you, you know, not everybody in that bullpen, but a lot of guys in that bullpen had sort of been exposed too much. So I, I think there's 
you can still do it, but you have to have those anchors in the starting rotation. You do. I mean, you have to be able to have guys who you know are going to go five or six. I'm not saying seven or eight. I'm five or six. So, and I do think the Red Sox probably have a core group of that. Although, you know, like I have convinced myself, Trags, I have tied myself into this knot um, of excitement. I, I would give Verlander the deal. I, I like, yeah, I so, feel, and I, I would go to the extent, and they won't do this probably. I don't even mind three years. Like, I don't even mind three years for Verlander. Like, I, I actually think that he'll live up to three years. That you're talking about he'd be 40 by the end of the deal. Oh, I'd be into his 40s, yeah. Right, or 41, something like that. He's, he'll be, he's, uh, he's 39 now. I mean, 39. I yeah. thought he was 38, oh, 37, no. 38. So, but so he's one of these guys and, you know, listen, that's just saying it doesn't mean it's going to be true, but he definitely is one of these guys who has shown an ability to evolve, right? He evolved when he went from Detroit to Houston. He's now he's evolving physically. He works out at, you probably know this guy, Eric Cressy, you know, Eric Cressy. Yeah, I've heard the name. Yeah. Eric Cressy's performance center. Yep. Inner Hauk works out down there. He actually works for the Yankees now, a great guy, but he, he works out there. And, and Verlander said, I want to do the Brady thing. I want to pitch till I'm 45. And I believe that I'm not saying he can pitch till he's 45, but for the guy that he is, having taken care of your elbow. So the, the, the prevailing thought is that you wouldn't have to worry about that part of your body. Then I would take that chance. And that's the guy, that's the type of fit. Instead of, you know, taking a flyer on the Martin Perez or Garrett Richards again, give me Verlander. That's, you know, I, I'm probably not in the majority, but I don't care. Uh, I am speaking with the one and only Rob Bradford covering the Red Sox like nobody else does for WEI.com. He will be all over the hot stove this winter and keeping it cooking. See what I did there. And yeah, uh, nice. making sure you are up to speed. Follow him. Uh, on Twitter at Bradfo. Bet Online is back and better than ever. A new web interface for the start of basketball season and more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online remains your number one spot, numero uno, as they say, for all of the basketball and football action this season. Head to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code CLNS50 to receive your bonus. That's CLNS50 to receive that bonus. From basketball, football, baseball, hot stove, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right on down to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all of the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and yes, easiest way to bet all of your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. Back with Brad Foe of weei.com. Paint me a picture, please, Robert, of how Carlos Correa ends up at Fenway Park playing for the Boston <laughs> Red Sox in 2022. Do it. Go. Uh you know, it, it would just me be taking a bucket of paint and destroying it against the canvas and like, sure, whatever. I mean, it's. He's going to probably wind up in Detroit. And, and I like, I can't. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. I know they're like, oh, the Red Sox are quietly pursuing these guys. <laughs> but but 
you got to weigh in Bogarts in this situation. I'm sorry, you have to weigh this so, in. So, but the but the theory goes Bogarts yeah. stays. At, it's like the Jeter situation with a Rod. Uh, Bogarts Bogey stays at short, and Correa is willing to move because it's okay. Alex. Cora. You think okay? <laughs> See that to me, that's not even plausible. Because why? why not? Because a guy has the opportunity to pick his team, to pick his team. Right. right. And you know what also comes with picking your team is picking your position. And I'm going to give you an example of this. And it's Marcus Simeon. Marcus Simeon went into last year, last free agent class, and he desperately wanted to be a shortstop. And what happened? He didn't have any options. His best option was a one-year deal playing second base for the Blue Jays. Right. Now, does anyone think that Correa is going to have the – be in the same situation as Marcus Simeon last year, where he's like, you know what? I'm going to pick this team, but I'm going to have to play second base. Once again, I'll preface this by saying, maybe I'm totally wrong. I don't know Carlos Correa at all. I don't know him at all. Maybe he has this great relationship with Cora. You know, maybe he sees that. But However. The other, but the other part about this, Trags, is that, yeah, okay, sure. You're playing this out. We're saying, Correa is playing second. Bogart's playing short. Well, no, I, I or 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 third base and move Devers okay. to first. All right, this is where it comes back to Bogart's. Do okay. you Bogart's is what you? I think I don't know how you feel. Honestly, like like I would like to see Bogart stay a Red. Sox. I would I would like to see him stay a Red Sox for all of time. Like I think that he's that type of player. I do think he has more years at shortstop in him. I do. A great shortstop? No. But a good enough shortstop? Yes. But with that opt-out that he has after next year, to me, if there's any hint that that they uh, want him to I see where you're going. Okay. Second, yeah. He's gone. Like, he is gone. And maybe they're like saying, hey, you know what? Okay. Oh, well. Because we have our number one prospect – Marcelo Meyer coming yes. up by 2025 and it's not going to make any difference anyway. So it's like, I just don't think that they want to move him off shortstop um, sooner than rather than later. See, and the way I look at that is uh, first of all, I think it's very comparable to a rod. A rod was clearly the biggest free agent in 2004, right? I mean, going into the 04 season or yeah. 03. I oh three. It was 2003. And a rod said, look, I will play third. I'll make that move. It's to me an almost identical situation, Rob. It's almost identical to for, the, for who though for Correa or Bogarts. Uh, it's an identical situation for Correa. So you would come to Korea Boston uh, and, uh, and play third base. Now what I do buy Rob is that bogey would get a little paranoid that oh i know what you're doing you know like i Peter. have Just an like did, right yes right yeah that's true but if you if you extend bogarts or if you if you give him some type of kiss to make him feel better it or you decide look bogey if you're that upset you can opt out after next year we have our ducks in a row and we're going to move forward because if, if it comes down to signing the best possible player on the market and you can do it, you do it. 
that that's my my approach yeah. to the whole thing. All right, and and you're right. It's like you know we're not going to do the Lou Gorman. What would we do with Willie McGee thing, right? You know, <laughs> right. You get, you get, you get, I'm sure my age, but no, I I very much remember that. So you get you know you get talent. If you can get talent, you get talent. You can convince Correa that's fine. But there's a couple. You know we focus so much on Bogarts. There's it's such a complicated scenario, and maybe it's not, but in my in my mind it is, because of Devers. It's not only Bogarts, it's Devers. Mm -hmm. All right, mm -hmm. so so you can say, well, Devers is just going to be the DH. Well, you know who becomes a free agent after 2023? Rafael Devers, and so you have that situation. Where's he going to play? Because guess what? You have your best prospect coming up at first. Tristan, Tristan Cassis. Yes. Right? So it's not like you're moving Devers over there. You don't want to pay Devers to be a DH. Like, who's going to pay a guy $300 million to be a DH? Probably nobody, as good as a hitter as he is. So you have all of that. It, it's it becomes it like it just becomes really, really complicated the whole situation. And I get it, you know, like, and I will say this, I wouldn't be shocked if we get to opening day next year and either Xander Bogarts or Rafael Devers is playing for another team. I would not be uh, shocked by that either, actually. Oh, because, because all these scenarios that we're talking about, Heimblum knows them. Yep, <laughs> I mean, he knows he sure them. does. And he's not, he's not afraid to deal guys. I, so, by the way, now that you mentioned Heimblum, what is his approach going to be heading into December 1st? Because the CBA expires, I think everybody knows that. Is he going to take the mindset that Jeff Passan alluded to uh, from Carlsbad in the GM meetings that um, he does not want to be left high and dry, right? Uh, come a February frenzy of pre-agent signings or even, you know, March before the uh, season begins. Is he going to be aggressive in the next couple of weeks to make sure that the Red Sox are covered in terms of the free agents they are really targeting? Good question. You know, so, so all we have to go by so far, Trags, really is uh, the, the Eduardo Rodriguez deal, you know, the various whatever, the, uh, but, um, but in Syndergaard. And to me, it speaks more of like the players reacting more than the teams. And I think it's, we haven't seen like, so the impetus on, is on the players or the motivation is on the players to get the deals done more than the teams because the players feel like maybe they're going to make less money. And if that's the case, the teams are going to like, Oh, we have to pay less money, you know? So, but you know, at the same time, if that's the case, you get the deals, the good deals while they're out there. So I, I'm not really answering your question because I don't know. I mean, I, I, I'm I'm so scarred by the last few off seasons, and I know they're completely different. But I'll I guess I'm saying I believe it when I see it. You know, I would love for them to go get them, but look at what he did last year. I mean, those deals were late, late. Yeah, they were. Perez and Garrett Richards and and uh, who am I missing? I mean, Kike Hernandez was a, it was a January. And when when was Hunter Renfro? And I'm going to might have been one of the earlier ones. Okay. Because he was non-tendered by the Rays. Rays, right. Mm -hmm. uh, but, uh, and I wouldn't be surprised if he's traded, by the way. Okay. So I'm going to uh, slip on into the uh, next 
subject yeah. and one of our final subjects because i know you got to run seiyu suzuki mm. everything you know about him and how hunter renfro plays into that uh he's a right-handed hitter he's uh, 20 27 28 i forget now 27 but, yeah 27 according to rob bradford of w yeah yeah Doctor. well it must be true then um <laughs> He, uh, he's won five gold gloves. He can play right field, not necessarily a center fielder, but a good fielder out there. Hit 38 home runs, far and away the best hitter coming out of Japan um, in international competition. Like was, And I remember watching him play, I think it was the Olympics. It was like, okay, you know, like they are pitching around this guy. They know how good he is. He's, he's seemingly a legit guy. Red Sox, as I wrote, like it was, scouted him thoroughly and by I think that is sort of a code for they are going to be interested um they couldn't they can't really say too much about it even off he has been posted I believe as of as of this taping yeah yeah so um but you know we'll find out more but I think my educated guess on this is that if they had their choice of getting him and dealing or keeping Renfro they might get him. Like, I think that they look at Renfro as a really good player at $3 million, but at $7 million, eh. I mean, is he going to repeat the number? I mean, he put up career numbers this year. and Yeah, but, you know, it's like that last image of him. I mean, that's that's unfair to him. But it is a terrible, terrible ALCS. And... You know, he's a good player to have, but you, you also have to remember, I mean, number one, yeah, he played above the back of his baseball card. It was a good year for him. No question about it. Mm-hmm. But you have to be a little bit wary. And I think that this is where Schwarber comes in, maybe. Like, people say, well, what is Schwarber's going to fit? you are got to remember, I mean, going into last year, Franchi Cordero was in the outfield rotation because he hit from the left side. So, you know, I think that there's still, like, there still is that dynamic of maybe Hunter Renfro isn't the absolute everyday guy. Hugely valuable, but at $7 million, if they can get a guy who they feel is a notch up, they're going to go get him. Uh, who is, um, and I can't remember his name, and I'm going to probably have to look it up here, Lenny Randall. Or, I can't remember his name. Lenny that- Randall. Great, <laughs> yeah. Lenny Randall. <laughs> no, the... Um- the bench player that that Alex Cora loved this year that nobody could ever understand why. Oh, Danny Santana. Lenny <laughs> Danny Santana. You know a lot of people in the press box tracks were saying that <laughs> Danny Santana is a modern day Lenny Randall. I'm sure they were. I'm sure they were. Um, yeah, I, I never quite got the the Danny Santana oh, uh, no, usage. Get in line, tracks. Get in line. I mean, we're gonna look back at like. In, 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 in Cora's defense, there wasn't there wasn't a lot of options when you get to the end of the end of the bench there at the end. But you know, we're we're gonna look back at like Danny Santana was on the playoff roster. He scored like- a, a reasonably important run in one of the last games as a pinch runner. I, I can't remember the well, game. Also he, he pinch hit and it was like he had no chance. Well zero chance. He was and- a pinch runner. I mean that's yeah. I mean, he was a pink shitter and he was a position player, but my point is... But he yeah. wasn't even like, you know, like, and we've seen those postseason pinch runners, the Quinton Barriers, Dave Roberts. Dave Roberts, right. You know, um, I forget one other. They actually, one was Marco Hernandez in 2006. 
Hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, and he was wasn't good at it, but they used to have those guys. Who was the who was the former Red Sox with the great calves? Mike um oh, Mike Avilas. Yeah, Mike Avilas. Whatever you want to, yeah. Yes. Yeah, who could forget? I mean, that's that anniversary is coming up, Trags. Ten years. By the way, Trags. Yes. We can't tell his story, but we can hint at it. Yep. When all the Pedroya stuff was going on and the Pedroya Bobby Valentine, that's not how we do things here. Oh, yes. You and I both know the real story behind that. Yes. You were the one that came over and asked the question. Right? Correct? Right. Correct. Yes. 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 And he was, yeah. And it was not, he was not blindsided by that question. No, he saw it coming. Yes. He definitely (laughs) saw it coming and he knew what I was getting. But it was, but that was, that was crazy. You know, the 10 year anniversary of like that was two weeks in the season drags that oh my goodness i would love a 30 for 30 on that season uh that would be awesome hey you know what i did not do speaking of bobby valentine i didn't check whether or not he won uh the mayor's race in the city of stanford okay because my sister lives one town over in new canaan uh by the way we should do this and kind of a solemn note but uh speaking of former Red Sox championship teams of the past. Julio Lugo passed away uh, of an apparent heart attack. He was only 46. Uh, your memories of Julio, Rob, and uh, you know, he was very tight, of course, with Manny uh, Ramirez and, and others in that clubhouse, David Ortiz, obviously. Yeah, I think that I was trying to remember this today. I think when Manny hit his 500th home run that he gave the bat to Lugo. Like I really, yeah, I think he did. And, um, yeah, I think a popular guy on that team. Um, you know, it's funny because, you know, the, I remember talking to Joe Madden the year before he was, so Lugo was going to be a free agent. He was playing for Tampa. In 06. Yeah. And Joe Madden said, you know, like, I think a guy like Lugo would really thrive in Boston, the big stage, but you just don't know. I mean, you just don't know. And, I think that it wasn't a perfect fit for Lugo. It, it really was. There was a lot of pressure. It was a three-year, $36 million deal. Um, you know, he had a good year the year before, especially I think he was traded to the Dodgers. He had a good second half. Uh, but still, you know, a, a, a guy who played in 147 games for a world championship team. You can't forget that. And the thing, and you know what I'm thankful for, is that the thing that I remember about Lugo it's the last time I saw him, which was at the alumni game, where, number one, he hit an absolute piss missile off Pedro Martinez. Like, oh, my God. Yes. I mean, if the StatCast thing was running for the alumni game, it would have been like 500 feet exit velocity of 120 miles an hour. It was crazy. And you know what Pedro would do? Pedro, it, you know, is all fun and games. He's a terrific analyst, by the way. I love listening to Pedro on TV. But he would like look in and, and, and kind of give kind of a glare that was humorous, but not really. You know what yeah. I'm talking about? Oh, go back. Go do this. Go to Twitter. Search Lugo Pedro, right? I did this yesterday. And one of the videos that comes up is Pedro on the broadcast after. So it was during the game, the real game, and saying, hey, listen, you know, like, if he got up there again, I would have, like, basically I would have hit him. <laughs> like, he's like, he, he would have, I would have nod to him, here it comes, I would have hit him. And that's how it was. But, you know, but the overall point, not only with a home run, but what I remember about Lugo seeing him that day, 
was I don't think there was anyone happier to be there. Like, and a lot of guys are happy to be there, but he was, he had some, some like things that were happening in Boston. It, it is a tough place to play. Like there's going to be times you catch guys at the wrong time. Yep. But no question. I tell you what, man, like that day, he was so happy, so friendly, so outgoing. It was, and, and that's, like I said, thankfully that's what I remember him. Cause I don't want to remember like those, like the, the peaks and the valleys of the three years in Boston. Like, it, yeah, there was like, some good times and there were some bad times, but that, that I, I just remember, I always remember that he, there was this, you want these guys to be happy, but this guy was so happy to be returning to Boston, be around these guys, and especially to hit the home run. Uh, I'm going to lead, uh, I'm going to uh, end this on a, a more quizzical note, if you Ooh. will, Rob. If Laz Diaz calls that strike three for <laughs> Nathan Avaldi, the Red Sox in the World Series? Yeah, I think so. I do too. I, I think it was. I think, the, I think there's probably a manager out there that thinks so too. Yeah, I think, I, I think, you know, his uh, initials might be Alex Cora. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or his full name might be Alex Cora. But it's, it was such a, Trags, you could have explained this to me. You, you were like, you were great at this stuff. Like about, you know, the inner workings of baseball. Well, how do they not just say, okay, here's the championship series. Here are the two best home plate umps. Here, here, okay, here's, here are the four best home plate umps, two in each series. You're going to rotate them in, and you're going to call the games. Instead of, the, like, no, well, what we got to do is we got to play musical chairs around the diamond until the, and the veteran guy has to get his one crack at it. Like, it is unbelievable. Like, this guy, and I don't care what baseball says about, well, our analytics. No, this guy had a terrible year. Correct. And there was one tweet, and I can't remember who it was from, uh, I, I believe it was a national baseball writer who outlined how many missed calls he had that night. And it was remarkable. And then I saw the rationalization, Rob. He had like 24 missed calls. And the rationalization was he was bad for both teams. I don't want bad for both teams. I want competent for both teams. Is that too much to expect? Like to your point, you should have the, you buy analytics. You have totally the, the ability to choose the most consistent umpires. And yet we wind up with Angel Hernandez and Laz Diaz in the postseason. Yeah, there's, Seriously. A, there's, there's a big difference between the umpires like, well, he's consistent and he's going to give him that strike or that ball at that part of the play every single time. There's a difference between that and what we saw with Laz Diaz. Laz Diaz, right. it was no rhyme or reason. It was, you know, missing key calls. I mean, and and I know that the Valdi call, like people, it wasn't like to me, it was, yeah, it was, I think it, it ends was, the inning and there was a bottom of the right, ninth and, and it was it a was, tie was, game. It was I get an that. Easy call to make. Now, the even easier call, which a lot of people focus on, was the one that JD Martinez had, which wasn't like was even a worse call, but that's not paint that as impactful as the Evaldi one. I mean, Evaldi one was to your point. Like, I think that they could have very really like gone on their way from there. So, yeah. Yeah. And you know, the Astros scored seven runs in the 
and <laughs> um, whatever. Uh, it would have been a two-two game, bottom of the ninth. Uh, it's been really fun catching up, Rob. I I appreciate you taking time out. I appreciate deep drive and chasing Steinbrenner behind you. I have both in my library off to my. Well, you can't see it. That's my main library. But as I've told Ian Brown on this podcast previously, I'm going to turn over here, and there's a library right behind me. And in that library are my most hallowed, cherished books. Oh. from bill walsh bill belichick um paul brown yeah ian brown and with an e and rob bradford and both of those publications behind you on either side of your uh, lovely dome are in that library and and uh, so i'm working on another one trags and i'll just say this one of the people who are interviewed for it that has a passage in it is a fellow Cincinnati uh, Reds baseball fan um, hmm. who is also an actor. Uh, and not a singer. I was going to guess Nick Lachey. Maybe, he, maybe he's on the dock. Oh, I think I know. I think I know. Um, I have his face. Um, Char um, Charlie. Um, no, not Charlie Sheen. Not Char that would have been my guess, Charlie Sheen. That Rob, would have been my Rob Lowe. Oh, okay. Rob Lowe. I should have known that. Yeah, Rob Lowe, who says that Tommy Lasorda took out a pitcher. <laughs> purposely took out a pitcher just so he could walk back to the dugout to see what Rob Lowe was saying. <laughs> okay. That's awesome. Well, it's been great catching up with you, Rob. Yeah. Anything else you want to uh, plug, promote? No, no, no. I just want to plug this podcast. Thanks for having me on. We, you know, we could talk all day. And I look forward to when we can see each other in person once again. Perhaps. Uh, Patriots we, hosting the Bengals in a playoff game. Ooh, How about that? Look at that. There could happen. Go. That could actually very well happen. I was going to say the media, next media game where we can team up again. The greatest battery of all time. Um but uh, yeah, I'll settle for uh, yeah. Pay I tell you what, you know how I hate going to Patriots games, but if they do that, I will go. Just I do. That is a fact. Lock okay. Yeah. And uh, you know I'll be there, um, but I better see your uh, yes backside I'll there. All right, yeah. you can follow uh, Rob on Twitter at Bradfo, and you can follow his podcast and should subscribe to it. How Rob? Just live BP. Go to a live BP uh, show. I don't know. I mean, all I know it's is at, well. I'll help you out here, Rob. Yeah, it's uh, live BP. Steve. It is at live. At live BP show is all you have to know on Twitter. Yeah, live BP fun. show was, one word. Yeah, it's it was. We did it all off uh, all season long. Um, did it with Steve Peralt. A lot of people know him from Section Ten. Now he's moved on to our aforementioned audacy.com, odyssey.com. Odyssey.com. A-U-D-A-C-Y.com. Odyssey, yeah. It is, I'm just kidding. It's Odyssey, yes. Um, but uh, it's a lot of fun to do. And um, I like talking, as, as this has uh, shown once again, I like talking about this stuff, easy to talk to, and makes it even easier talking with you, Tracks. You're the best, Rob. My former boss and lifetime friend, Rob. Bradford. How about that? Well, I want to thank Rob for joining me on this edition of the Red Sox Beat. Also want to thank our terrific sponsor, betonline.ag. For the one and only Rob Bradford, 
I'm Mike Petralia, and this has been the Red Sox Beat Podcast powered by CLNS Media.